Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. What's the biggest block to your abundance? Do you hold the belief that to be spiritual, to be living a life of service, that you must also be broke? Well, Jennifer Noel Taylor thought so until a shocking realization changed her perspective on the law of attraction. She's here today to share some tools to help us create genuine prosperity while honoring our calling in life. Are you ready to meet her? Jennifer Noel Taylor is an energy healing practitioner, self-help motivator, and author of Spiritual and Broke, How to Stop Struggling with Money and Live Your Purpose. As CEO of Quantum Touch, Jennifer promotes optimal wellness by helping people connect more deeply to their love. Her business practices include spiritually rewarding jobs, loving service to the world, environmental responsibility, and financial abundance. You can find out more about Jennifer and her work at jennifernoeltaylor.com. Jennifer, welcome to Out of the Fog. Great. Well, thanks for having me. Great to be here. I'm glad you're here. Let's, I want to jump right into it. There's an idea that if you are called to service in the world, whether you are um, serving as a healer, as a teacher, as an intuitive, as a channel, as someone who does good in the world in any way, that a mark of your commitment to that service will be that you have no money. Can you speak into that belief a bit? Um, yeah, so I, from what I've seen um, running an energy medicine business is that a lot of people believe that to fully serve, that they have to provide their work for free and live in a state of poverty. And I think it's common because we're all familiar with people taking vows of poverty and somehow that seems more pious or closer to God when you're when you're poor. And I know I've, I've felt that way too. Sometimes I've felt guilty about charging money for spiritual healing and I've gotten, you know, angry customer service emails of people saying, well, you're not really helping if you are charging money and um, sometimes with colorful language. So it, it seems to be a theme that's really heavy in the spiritual community. And um, I used to I used to buy that as well. What do you say to those people who say uh, you're not helping if you're charging money? What's your reply? Well, I think I have uh, an interesting perspective on this in that charging money actually helps the client. It's, it's not just for the practitioner. The person paying the money actually receives um, a better healing response. And let me explain why. A lot of our healing process, I believe, has to do with our commitment to get better. So for example, if a person wants to give up, let's say alcohol or whatever lower vibrational substance is interfering with their life, they have to be really committed to the process, otherwise it won't work. In the same way, if you're a, a client and you're paying money to receive a healing process, you are more committed to the process. 
And I've seen this by experience because we, we have given a lot of stuff away and we still do. Sometimes we give um, things away for people who can't really afford it. But what I've noticed is that the people who receive the workshop for free or the session for free, generally they, they show up late, if at all. Um, they're usually on their cell phone or not really paying attention. They're not as committed to learning. So I feel like the, the money actually serves the client. One of the things that I teach my students, I teach intuitive development, is that the payment is for the time and not for the gift. That payment is a way of, you put something out there, it's an energetic exchange that says, I value my time and I value the time of the person, the practitioner I'm working with, and so I put this money here as a reminder, like a touchstone, this time is sacred. This money reserves me this time, or this class, or this book, or this whatever this is, this session. And that energetic exchange is part of what opens, I believe, can open up a door to meaningful communication. Now, can there be healing if no money changes hands? Oh my goodness, of course. The money's not for the gift. The money's for the time and the commitment, as you're saying. Yeah, and I have an analogy for that because I, I totally believe that. So one of the analogies that I have is that if you go to the produce department at Whole Foods, and you have apples and oranges and all of this really amazing produce. And it, it actually grows for free. I mean, you could go out to an apple orchard, you know, if you owned one, for example, and, and pick a bunch of apples and, and they're, they're, they're free gifts. But however, you know, what you're paying for is you're not necessarily paying for the fruit itself, but you're paying for somebody, the person who went and picked all the apples, packaged them all up, sent them to the store, the store's lighting, you know, this whole foods has to pay taxes, you know, all the infrastructure to get that apple to you. So in in the same way, you know, what you just said, you're, you're paying for the practitioner's experience, time, their infrastructure, their business, the, the work it takes to provide the service. Now there's an idea sometimes, and I'm going to, I'm just going to take this quote from the beginning of your book because it just really made me laugh. So here's a quote. They say, do what you love and the money will come. So today I ate an entire bar of dark chocolate snuggled with a kitten and curled up in bed with my favorite book. Now I wait. <laughs> I love that. So is just doing what you love going to get you results? Well, I believe that doing what you love does not instantly automatically attract money. And I've seen so many people who go in and start a coaching practice, start a healing business, do what I did and get involved with an energy modality. And they think, wow, okay, I'm doing what I love. I'm putting my service out to the world. You know, now the money should just show up. And what I learned the hard way is that the money didn't show up. Um, you know, what showed up was a lot of debt and stress about money. So I don't feel it's automatic. I feel like it's a part of the puzzle to do what you love, but I don't feel like you can just do what you love and sit on the couch with a remote and um, watch your bank balance grow. <laughs> um, what you you had an aha moment that kind of changed the way you felt about abundance. And as I understand your work kind of gave you a different way of seeing yourself gave you it was um like uh seeing yourself with more integrity i hope that's right to say can you say where you had your aha moment because it wasn't in a tibetan monastery or staring out over the ocean where did you have your aha moment 
So my, I had a really big wake up call in the back of a police car. Yes, I did. It, it certainly wasn't surrounded by meditation and roses and, and whatever. It was in probably one of the worst places ever. Why were you in the back of the police car? So um, it was actually the worst day of my life. So what happened was um, I went to bed and about three in the morning, um, an intruder uh, came into my house and he broke in. Um, apparently he was looking to steal stuff. He comes in my bedroom. He has a, a pair of my scissors and he's shining a flashlight in my face and he woke me up. And he's like, you know, shut the blank up or I'll cut you to pieces. And um, it turned into a, a sexual assault and a robbery. And as part of the crime scene investigation, the uh, officers had to transport me to the rape trauma center. And because I had to be transported with two officers, my method of transportation was in the back seat of a police car. Mm. So I was sitting there and it's, it's just in a complete state of shock. It's, you know, if anyone's had any major trauma, you know how that is where you just shut down and um, just sitting there and uh, not really paying attention, kind of just like, how am I going to put my life back together after this was, was my thought there. And, and, and my other thought was, where is God in all of this? Mm. Um, and so I was kind of, kind of spaced out, but all of a sudden, um, my, my inner voice, or, or let's call him God or the universe, said, all right, now you got to pay attention now. So I, I pulled myself together mentally, and I, I paid attention, and I heard one of the officers over the CB say, uh, we're now transporting the victim to the rape trauma center. And that word victim stuck in my consciousness because my image of myself was I'm a spiritual entrepreneur, I'm an energy healer, I teach empowerment, I, I run an a energy healing business, I'm an enlightened being. I have that image of myself. So that's, that's what I was carrying. But to be looked at from somebody else as a victim of a crime um, just had this intense impact on me because I thought, wow, like, I, I can't believe somebody's labeling me a spiritual entrepreneur and enlightened being as a victim. This is crazy. How did I get here? This is like not so not true. I'm, I'm not a victim. This is not me. And I wanted to scream at that moment. And then I paused. And I had the realization that, oh my gosh, I am living my life, despite what I'm teaching, I'm living a lot of my life as a victim. That victim script permeates my mindset for the majority of my day. I feel like a victim to my money. I feel like a victim to unavailable men. I, I blame the universe for my lack of money. I blame the universe for my problems. I'm in the blame victim thing. I feel like a martyr for the cause. That just, it just struck me like deeply. And so at that moment I said, you know what, this, I'm done with the victim thing. I will, I will never be in this position again where somebody is referring to me as a victim. That was my wake up call. 
Now, in the in the book, you say that you were in so much debt that you actually had to earn money to bring yourself up to zero net worth. So at this time, you were, I don't know, $80 squillion in debt, right? An insane amount of debt. How did you, what did you do? How did you turn it around? So that wake-up call, the realization that I'll never be a victim ever again, was the start of turning it around. Because prior to that, I had felt like a victim to my debt. I had felt like a victim to my cause. I felt like there's, it's hopeless. I'll never get out of debt because my interest alone is like a rent payment. So I felt victimized by my own debt. And so the first step to turn that around was saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let go of this victim script that I've been carrying around and say, change it to empowerment. And that was the first step. It was like giving up an addiction. It's like the, the time where the alcoholic says, Okay, that's my last drink. Mm. That's what it was like, because it was like giving up this addiction to victim mentality. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Jennifer Noel Taylor. Her new book is Spiritual and Broke, How to Stop Struggling with Money and Live Your Purpose. This book is being released on May 8th. 2019. You can find out more about Jennifer and her work and download an excerpt of the book at jennifernoeltaylor.com. So Jennifer, you talk in the book about how we can overcome our blocks and move into financial alignment. Can you say what financial alignment is? Um, Sure. So I believe that there's a kind of a balance point that we can all have with money. So if we're struggling with money, and we're feeling that that it's a struggle to get by, um, we're not aligned financially. Um, There's also been studies that have shown that excess money, like having more more than you need, also is not the path to happiness. So there's a balance point. So if you think of it as a bell-shaped curve where you have too little money or excess money, um, there's a balance point in the middle. And that's what I call financial alignment, where you're... You're out of debt, um, you have some savings, you feel comfortable with your financial situation. What do you think is the biggest block that people carry when it comes to abundance, especially people who are on, on a spiritual path? I think there's three blocks. The, the first one is um, what I spent a lot of time on is that victim consciousness. If I do a deep dive with almost everyone that I know that's struggling with money, on some level, they feel like a victim. And so, like, for example, some people blame um, blame God or Trump or taxes or, you know, high cost of living. So that that's block number one. Um, the second block that I see is worthiness, self-worth stuff. And that's a deep dive into there because there's a lot of ways that that lack of self-worth appears. Um, it can appear um, undercharging for your services. Um, it can interfere with actual pursuit of your dreams. It can cause procrastination. So there's a lot of worthiness stuff that can interfere with financial abundance. The third issue that I've seen, um, and this I was doing in spades, is um, Spending money on things that are not in alignment with your authentic self. Mm. So, and and so those are the those are uh, the three things that I feel are the major blocks for people. 
So if somebody is listening, if they're listening to those blocks and they're nodding their head and they also are not where they want to be in terms of financial. And I think like this is, this book is about financial abundance, but it's about emotional abundance. It's not a book about how to make money. It's about financial abundance and emotional ease and living with integrity. Does that sound fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not here to, to tell people how to make millions and millions of dollars. Um, I'm not sure you even need to do that for happiness, but that's not my intent. My intent is to create balance between your, your money and your spirituality. So what's something somebody listening could do right now to start to move that needle, start to shift that balance? So um, what I like to do, and I still work at this, um, the first thing is anytime a thought comes up that, you know, life is unfair or I'll never get out of debt or it's hopeless or any of that to do, to do a reframe and ask yourself, why did I create this? So the difference between feeling like it's happening to you versus mm-hmm. you're creating it to draw that distinction. So anytime you have a, a kind of a, a thought that puts you in a disempowered state to reclaim your power. So that, that's the first step. Um, the, other, the other step that you can do right away is every time you pull out your wallet or pull out your credit card to ask yourself, am I buying something that I love? And I can't tell you how much money I've saved by doing that. <laughs> that's kind of, that's, that's funny because as I sit here recording this conversation with you, I have an unopened box of yarn that just came in the mail. I love to knit. And inside that box, Jennifer, is pink yarn and it has sparkles on it. And so as, <laughs> as you say that, am I spending my money on what I love? I'm just nodding. Yes. Yes. I am spending money on, on what I love. <laughs> that will be a pair of, that will be a pair of socks someday. And I think that's important too, that, that our, that the way that we spend money is not just toward business goals. You were talking about being an entrepreneur, but also toward the well-being of our body, mind, and spirit. I see that as part of financial alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, as long as it's aligned, you know, uh, to something that you love. So I'll give you an example. Um, makeup. Okay, so I used to spend a lot of money on makeup. And, you know, the truth is, is I didn't love it. I didn't even like it. I felt like I had to buy it to, to fit in. Um, on some level because a lot of women wear makeup so I felt obligated on some level but my truth was I certainly didn't love it and so when I when I stopped spending money on that it it really helped my bottom line because it wasn't healthy for me because it it just wasn't in alignment with myself and it may be that with every choice we make in the direction of love we grow richer Maybe not by like a unicorn coming with a check for $8 million for us, but that every choice we make with love, if we're aligned with the pink sparkly sock yarn, if we're stepping out of that feeling of being a victim, if we're reframing it in our own power, maybe every step makes us rich. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. That's that's uh, really well put because, um, you know, the secret of the universe is love. It's opening your heart and you make a heart-centered choices. And heart-centered choices are the antithesis of victim or spending stuff on you on what you don't love or negative self-worth. So I, that's well said. Uh, the book also focuses on like living, living your purpose and doing it with power. 
how can we discover our life purpose? Especially, I talk a lot of times to people who say, I'm so busy making money. How am I supposed to discover my life? I can't discover my life purpose. Or if I take all this time, I'm going to need to take three months in the desert to discover my life purpose. I guess I'll never get to that. How do we connect with our life purpose? I don't feel like you need three months in the desert alone to discover your life purpose. Amen. Amen, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like your life purpose is written in your heart. And um, it's not... It's not this, you know, secret thing that you have to work really hard to access. It's actually really simple to access your purpose, I feel like. It's actually just checking in with what your heart's telling you. And it's giving you clues all the time. You know, what is it that you tend to gravitate towards? What is it that that you love? What is it that you tended to like as a child? There's all these clues that your heart's giving you all the time what your purpose is. Because we all have things that we love like you love um knitting you know uh, pink sparkly socks and that's awesome and those are clues into what your purpose is if someone is listening who's faced with a lot of debt who's seeing this not as a joyful quest toward pink sparkly socks but as an um a difficult slog through regret and things they wish they hadn't have done and mistakes that maybe they made how could you help them lighten the energy of that climbing back up to the place where they're in balance so the first thing that to look at with your debt feels hopeless which is what i felt like because if you're in a lot of debt your interest payment pretty much is really hard to even make interest payments so the first thing is do you believe it's possible to turn things around? And that's one of the things that I think just to really get clear with yourself on, if you believe it's impossible, it will be impossible. So check in with yourself to see, do you have hope? Do you believe it's possible? And, and I'd like to say that anything is possible if you believe in it. So that, that's step number one. Um, the other thing, the other technique that I do a lot is baby steps. So I think it's really discouraging if you're looking at maybe a $35,000 of credit card debt that it seems like that'll never get paid off because that's a lot of debt. But allow yourself to do things in baby steps and you'll be surprised at how quickly it goes. So for example, even though it feels maybe daunting, make a $500 payment. Even though it feels like you're, you're barely making a dent, go ahead, make that small payment, make a $20 payment. Just start doing baby steps to, to bring down your debt. And sometimes that baby step might be as simple as looking at how much you actually owe. Because a lot of times people who are living in that cycle of debt are afraid to look. And it can be helpful sometimes to have someone sit with you, whether that's energetically, if you say, hey, send me good vibes while I open these envelopes, or maybe someone physically sitting with you while you open the envelopes, just to just to do that can shift the energy from the victim. These envelopes keep coming. I know I can't open them. This is going to be really scary. Oh, I'm in trouble. I better go do something else. It can shift that from the victim to your place of power. Who opens the envelope? I do. Who unfolds the statement? Me. I do that. Who has a look at the number and starts to make a plan? That's me. And it shifts the energy going forward. Another way, too, is to acknowledge yourself for how powerful you are to create debt. Now, I know that may sound crazy, but you you are so powerful that you created all of that debt. And if you created it, you can create something new. 
Would you please let the listeners know, tell them how to, how they can reach you, how they can work with you. Let them know about stuff that's coming up. This is a great place to tell them where your website is and all that good stuff. So, yeah. So if you want to know more information, my uh, website is jennifernoeltaylor.com. And right now on my site, I'm giving away the first three chapters of my new book, Spiritual and Broke, for free. So I invite you to check that out. And my uh, book, Spiritual and Broke, will be released on May 8th. Wonderful. Um, Jennifer, thank you very much for being on the show. I love that idea of moving into our power when it comes to money. So thank you very much. Great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's Jennifer Noel Taylor, who her new book is Spiritual and Broke, How to Stop Struggling with Money and Live Your Purpose. That book will be, be released on May 8th, 2019. You can get an excerpt now by going to jennifernoeltaylor.com and signing up for her newsletter, and then you'll get that three-chapter excerpt sent right to you. I also invite you to go to karenhager.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even schedule a private session with me if you are so inclined. And if you believe, as I do, that when we focus our attention on change, on peace, on what is good, that things do change, that we can create change, I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. Opening the Peaceful Heart is a monthly guided meditation. It's free. It's open to people from all over the world. We gather the first Sunday of every month for 15 minutes of guided meditation with a focus of peace in our hearts and peace in the world. So go ahead and check that out if it resonates with you. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.